morning. Hello. Casey, can you hear me back there? <laughs> well, welcome to the Garden City Chapel. I am Pastor Steve from Low Country Community Church in Merle's Inlet. We call ourselves LC3. It is glad to be back. I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad to be here. But it is kind of weird to see everybody way back there in the back when we got all these seats right up here. Really, I mean, the closer you get, the better looking I am. I can promise you that, okay? If you guys want to get up and you want to move forward, you can do that. So last week, I started a, uh, well, I did a message. It wasn't supposed to be a sermon series, but it's turned into a sermon series called Spiritual Warfare, The Battle is Real. I got to tell you, we're living in spiritual warfare. The battle is real, whether you believe it or not. Whether you're a believer or you're not a believer, we're in the middle of a war, a war for our heart. Ephesians 6, verse 12 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Whether we believe it or not, there's an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's 1 Peter 5, 8. And it tells us that we need to have a sober spirit, or in other words, we need to be vigilant. And we need to be on the alert. In other words, we need to be awake. We need to be watchful. Because our enemy, the devil, is a schemer. The Bible says that he's very crafty. The Bible also says we're sinners. Anybody believe that? We are sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And Satan uses our sinful nature to exploit us and to tear us down and to destroy us. Let me say it like this. If you've ever heard the saying, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You did it. The devil's just going to exploit it. The devil is just going to exploit it because we have a sinful nature. He appeals to the pride that dwells in each and every one of us. He is a liar. He came to kill. He came to steal. And he came to destroy. How does he destroy us? He destroys us by keeping us away from God. And that's his whole motivation. Like it or not, we're in the middle of a spiritual battle. You with me so far? Heavenly Father, I just come to you right now, and I just pray that our hearts are open, our minds are open to hear you speak this morning. Be with each and every one of us. And just like she prayed this morning, may we take what we learned this morning out of these walls of this building. May we be the church. In Jesus' name I pray. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it tells us that we shouldn't be ignorant of the devil's devices or his schemes. He's always scheming. He's always changing things around to fit your sinful nature. He tries to cast doubt on God's goodness and tries to shipwreck our faith. Hey, some of the things never, ever change, right? 
He's always, since day one, tried to make us doubt God. And if he can get us to doubt God, then our, our faith becomes shipwrecked. He may tempt you to deceive others in order to create or maintain the impression of being more spiritual. He may corrupt your mind to steer you away from the simplicity of Christ and his gospel. He may wrestle against you, fighting against the progress that you have in Christ. Anyone who who comes to Christ and, and professes Christ as their Lord and Savior and puts their faith and their hope and trust knows that that's a daily walk, that we have to walk daily, and we know that there's struggles that get us down. Amen? Satan will do everything he can to get us away from the progress that we make. Satan may harass you with some kind of fleshly affliction. Or he may try to tempt you to commit sexual immorality. That's a big one. Let me say that again. He may tempt you into commit sexual immorality. Or how about this? He may sow tares within your assembly of believers in order to deceive and create disunity in the church. Certainly that can't happen. Church is all about unity. We've never experienced problems in the church, have we? It usually begins with the color of the carpet. Someone's not happy with the color of the carpet. So today's message, I'm calling it spiritual warfare. We need to conform or transform. That's what I love about God and God giving us free will. We, we have choices. We get to choose. And today, it's, are we going to conform to what the world tells us, to what Satan tells us? Or are we going to transform our minds and live for him? One of the supporting scripture verses that I used in the message last week um, was Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And I got to tell you, um, before I get to that, I know it's up on the screen, but I got to tell you that that one, it was my it was my supporting scripture verse. But it was like God was hollering out to me. He was screaming at me, not yelling at me, but yelling at me like, do you hear what I'm trying to tell you? Do you hear what I'm saying? You are conforming. Stop conforming. Let your mind be transformed. But we live in a world and we, unfortunately, sadly, as the church, we are conforming to our society rather than society conforming to the beliefs of God in the church. Man, if we really believe that prayer about, hey, let's go outside the walls and be the church, then we as the church need to stop conforming to society. And like he was just pounding that in my head. This was last Saturday as I was preparing for last week's message. Do you hear? Can you hear? Read it again over and over. Like, God, what? Do you, what? And that word conform. And then this week I saw on National Geographic, something called Brain Game. Have you ever seen a show called Brain Game? And it was called The Conformity Waiting Room. That got my attention. And I want to play a little bit of this video to show you how easy it is for us to conform to society. Take a look at this video. We set up a hidden camera experiment to see if this woman would stand up at the sound of this tone simply because everyone else is. You might be thinking you'd never go along with this. Or would you? (laughs) 
just three beats, and without knowing why she's doing it, this woman is now conforming perfectly to the groove. But what happens if we take the group away? Elaine, please. Okay, now she's alone. The crowd is gone and nobody is watching her except our hidden cameras. What do you think she'll do? She's now conforming to the rules of the group without them even being there. Now, watch what happens when we introduce another outsider who doesn't know the rules. Have a seat and they'll be out in just a couple minutes. Great, thanks so much. Think she'll teach the new guy what to do? We kept the cameras rolling as more unsuspecting patients arrived. Slowly but surely, what began as a random rule for this woman has now become the social norm for everyone in this waiting room. Here to explain you, what's Casey. going Appreciate on in their that. brains is Jonah Berger of the uh, University of Pennsylvania. See how easy that is? Set up a hidden camera experiment you to can see stop if that this woman would stand up at the sound of this tone. Or you can start it from the beginning again. Because okay. everyone else is. You might be thinking you'd never we can try go like along this. with it. Beep. Now let's go back to that scripture verse, Romans 12, 2. A little beep. On the third time, she conformed. And then taught everybody else to do it. And she didn't even know why she was doing it. I call that subtleness. Satan is crafty and he's subtle. Do not be conformed. I highlighted these words. Conform, transform, renewing, improve. Conform means to act in accordance or harmony, to comply with the prevailing standards, attitudes, practices of society or a group. God says don't do that. Don't conform. But instead be transformed. That word means to undergo a change in form, an appearance, or character. God says, don't conform, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing means to begin again. Renewing means to begin again. To begin again. Why are we beginning again? So we can prove what the will of God is. To establish the truth or genuineness of, as by evidence or argument. 
see in today's society, we are supposed to be different. We're supposed to look different. We're supposed to act different from what our society tells us we're supposed to act. When we hear that beep, we don't stand up simply because everybody else did. We're different. What would it look like if someone said, hey, everybody's standing up. But, man, how come you're not standing up? I only stand up for Jesus. Christians sometimes conform to the world instead of renewing their minds when they allow worldly influences to shape their beliefs and actions rather than aligning themselves with God's truth. Truth. So I've got some ways of how this happens. We compromise with worldly values. You know, there's a worldly value of self-ambition. The world promotes selfish ambition, seeking personal gain and recognition at the expense of others. Whatever I have to do to get where I want to be, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to promote myself. I don't care who I hurt when I'm climbing that ladder. But in contrast, the Bible teaches us to be humble and to consider others more important than ourselves. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as what? More important than yourselves. In other words, put others first before you. The worldly value tells us that, man, we need to be more concerned about material wealth. The world tells us the one with the most toys is the winner. The world says, you don't have enough. Give me more. Give me more. And give me more. But the Bible says it's not about more it's about being content first timothy 6 verse 6 through 10 says godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by what y'all can talk back to me i'm not a video screen beep contentment verse 7 we have brought nothing into the world so we cannot take anything out of it either many funerals where you go to a funeral and preach one of the big whispers, especially when someone who's got a lot of money, very wealthy, that dies, people whisper around the room. It's like, wonder what he left. The answer is he left it all because you didn't bring anything into the world. You can't take it with you. Verse 8, if we have food and covering with these, we shall be what? Content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. In other words, they're saying, give me more, give me more, give me more. Verse 10 says, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from their faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, that is an often misquoted scripture verse. Because people say, oh, money is the root of all evil. No, it's the love of money is the root of all evil. So what do we need to do? Hebrews 13.5 tells us, make sure that your character is free from what? The love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you. The world says, put wealth first. The Bible says, be content. The world says, Revenge. The Bible says forgiveness. 
The world may promote retaliation and seek revenge against those who wrong us, yet the Bible calls for us to forgive others as Christ forgave us. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, be compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ also has forgiven you. And then, I love it in the Bible when it gives us the if-thens, if-thens, if-thens. Matthew 6.14 and 15. Jesus says, if you forgive other people for their offenses, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other people, then your Father will not forgive your offenses. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This past summer, back in July, my nephew and his family came to visit my wife and I. You know, when you live at the beach, as we all do, You have lots of family members in the Midwest or wherever. They don't live near the beach, and they want to come visit, right? So I was excited. My nephew and niece and and his children, a two-year-old and four-year-old little girl, they wanted to go to the beach. Go out to the beach. Now, these are little kids. They're babies, two years old and four. And we go, and we set up and get everything set up. And the lifeguard came and told us we had to move. Because now, in front of the community where we live, right down the street here, now they've got those blue umbrellas that they set up all down the beach. They have the best view of the beach. And you can't set up in front of them. You have to go behind them. I got mad. I want to be a great uncle. I want to show them the greatest time in the world. I forgot to tell you, we got everything all set up, and my job was to just relax. And I was reading a book, Philip Yancey's, What's So Amazing About Grace. And when that lifeguard came over and told me to move, I wasn't very graceful. And I'm telling you, I could hear God saying, look, if you want to argue with her, go ahead. But would you put that book that talks about my amazing grace back in the bag? So we pack up our stuff and we go move behind the, the line of umbrellas. Away from everybody else. There's no one back behind. We weren't willing to pay $40 for an umbrella. We set our little umbrella up for our kids right here. And then here comes another family. We're here. They sit right here. I'm reading my book, and I'm looking. I'm like, man, they, they could have gone over there a little bit more. Or over, why they want to be so close to us? And it was a mom and dad and adult children. And they set everything up, set their tent up right there. I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Reading my book. What's so amazing about grace? And all four of them popped out packs of cigarettes. I'm telling you, you, the first one that lights up, I'm going after them. And it was like God was saying, okay, but when you do that, would you put the book about what's so amazing about my grace back in the bag? They don't light up right away. But this guy, he takes his sweatpants off and his shirt off, and he's got more tattoos than anybody I've ever seen in my entire life. And there was someone had, had, we were set up right behind this sculpture, sand sculpture of a dolphin, which is why we set up where we set up, because the kids thought that that was the coolest thing. But this tattooed guy was going to go smash the dolphin and make something else out of it. Do it, buddy. 
do it and watch what happens. And yes, I heard from God. Put the book back in the bag. And I sat there and I waited. And he got up to go do it. And his mom says, you're not doing that. Why? I want to make this. What he wanted to make was not nice. And I'm like, man. And his mom told him no. And then he yelled at his mom and said, you're really making me mad. And I'm like, oh. But he didn't say it like that. He said it very rudely. And over and over is that stinking book. What's so amazing about grace? That God kept telling me to put the book away. I'm like, why would I put the book away when it's all about your grace? And God's like, now you're getting it. Because that man, that jerk in your eyes doesn't know anything about my amazing grace. Because no one's ever given it to me. And no one's ever showed it to me. God, it's almost like you want me to go talk to him. Ding! And I got up to go talk to this guy. That's all I'm telling you. As I'm standing here, it's very clear. You look at me, you look at him, we don't relate. But see, when we open ourselves to be the vessel for God and allow God to work through us, Lo, I am with you always to the very end. God doesn't let you down. Hey, buddy, can I talk to you for a second? He goes, what's up? He said, I've never seen anyone with that many tattoos before. For someone to be all tatted up like that, you got to have a bunch of stories. The man lit up like a Christmas tree because I asked him about his tattoos. And he pointed out all these different tattoos and their meetings and the ones on his back and what he did and his brother who did this and did that. It was just going on and on and on. Just glowed. Are you thinking about getting a tattoo? Mm-mm. No, I'm not. I, I have one of that, that rare uh, phobia where you pull out a needle and I pass out. And he said, oh, it's really not that bad. I'm like, uh, yeah, right. I'm still not doing it. He goes, just think of it as a, as a bee sting on a sunburn. And I'm like, you know, neither one of those are appetizing for me. But I just want, he's like, okay. Well, man, I hope you change your mind, decide to get one one day. And I'm like, well, thank you for sharing. I really appreciate that. He didn't do anything to the dolphin. He went over and sat down, lit up a cigarette. The wind was blowing in the direction where I never smelled anything. And God said, now you can read your book about what's so amazing about grace. It's not about you. It's about me. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? In that book, I read a quote from Abraham Lincoln the end of the Civil War when they just said, hey, we need to go annihilate them for what they did. And he said, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? I got that on the beach that day. That enemy became my friend. So let me ask you this question before we put up this next quote. 
How much do you love God? Oh, I love God with my whole heart. Oh, there's nothing I wouldn't do for God. Anybody feel that way? Here's a quote from Dorothy Davis that said, I really only love God as much as I love the person that I love the least. That'll stick. That'll stick. For some of us, we need to learn forgiveness. We need to practice forgiveness. The world says revenge, but God says forgive. Satan says revenge. God says forgive. Another thing that the world tells us is pride, where the Bible says, no, it's about humility. The world encourages pride and self-centeredness, exalting oneself above everybody else. For those of you who don't, don't know me, they don't know that I used to work for Legends in Concert. I was a Garth Brooks tribute artist for 15 years with that company. And there was a saying that we had. Do you have any idea who I pretend to be? And, um, and, and I've got a friend who works for Legends who surprised me here this morning. This is Stacy, who is an incredible, incredible performer. And you can back me up on this. There's, there was a couple of performers that we've worked with all over this country that really thought that they were the actual person that they were portraying. And I'm not going to name any names, but they'd go around saying, thank you, thank you very much. And it was amazing to me that some of these guys insisted on having their own dressing room because they were the king, baby. Am I lying? But that's what the world teaches us. But the Bible says, "Mm -mm, be humble. Be humble before God and before others. James 4, 6, he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We go back to the Old Testament in Proverbs. When pride comes, then comes dishonor. But with the humble, there is wisdom. Another thing that the world teaches us and gives us value on is instant gratification, where the Bible teaches patience. We live in a very fast-paced world where instant gratification is sought after. I remember traveling on the road, and I can remember sending an email to my parents in Texas of a picture of my family back when Internet was dial-up. Y'all remember those days? You would download a picture to send it off in an email, and you'd watch that bar go across. And it would take, man, it could take a whole minute a whole minute to send that picture from Missouri or from South Carolina all the way to Texas. Are you kidding me? Yet that wasn't fast enough. Where just a few years before that, to send a picture to my parents would have to go to the mailbox and put a stamp on it. Come on. We're pretty much all old enough to remember that those days, right? But today, we want it right now. I am so frustrated with my phone right now, my iPhone 12, that I am convinced that Apple is purposefully slowing down my iPhone 12 so I'll go out and buy the iPhone 14 because it's greater and faster. Yep. 
world teaches we got to have it and we got to have it right now. But the Bible says, Galatians 6, 9, let's not become discouraged in doing good for in what? Due time. In due time, we will reap if we do not become weary. Psalm 37, 7 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. See, we need to learn that God doesn't wear a wristwatch like we do. And God's time and our time, two totally different things. Can I get an amen right there? Another worldly value is secular wisdom. Biblical value is wisdom from God. The world may value secular wisdom and knowledge above everything else, but the Bible emphasizes the importance of seeking wisdom from God, which surpasses human understanding. And why is that? Because his ways are higher than our ways. Proverbs 2, 6, the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And here's good news for you in James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him do what? Ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Where do we seek to find our wisdom? We should seek him to find our wisdom, not the worldly wisdom. Another worldly value is individualism, where the Bible teaches community and love. Modern society promotes individual individualism and self-reliance. You don't need anyone. All you need is you. Can I just tell you something? COVID-19 brought about isolation that has brought on depression that we're still battling today. Why? Because we've isolated ourselves from everyone else. People have gotten used to watching church online instead of being there in person. The enemy prowls around like a lion waiting for someone to devour. I said that last week about go to church, man. Go to church. The Internet is a wonderful, wonderful tool. And when you're sick, when you're home, when you're traveling, when you can't get to church, it's a great tool for you to not miss and to be there. But if you're using live stream media to watch your church service instead of being there in person, you're being isolated and the devil's just waiting to pounce. I got in trouble with that last week. James 1.5. I've lost myself on my notes. Okay. The Bible emphasizes the value of loving our neighbors as ourselves and being part of a caring and supportive community. Mark twelve thirty one, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than this. Acts two forty two, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. How do you devote yourself to someone if you're not even there, if you can't do it? They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. How are you in fellowship with someone if you're not there? You can't do it. To the breaking of bread and to the prayer. And there's many other ways that we conform to the world. We can seek validation from the world. Am I good enough? What does the world think about me? Are they, are, am I good enough? Well, we can turn on the TV. We can watch billboards. We can look at billboards all over. We can go to the movies, go everywhere of everybody trying to tell us to buy this product and buy that product because unless you have this product, you're not good enough. 
I mean, after all, we got to keep up with the Joneses, right? Or social media, man. All we do in social media is we, we, we wrestle so hard because we got to post something online so we can get likes and we can get comments and we can get shares because it's all about the number of followers we have. And if we don't have enough followers, then we must not be good enough. That's worldly value. Those are all schemes of the devil. Some of us live in fear. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I got to be very careful with what I say because everything I say now on a Sunday morning is on live stream. And I got to be careful what I say. Because if I say something that somebody doesn't like, they're going to reject me. They're going to persecute me. You know, there's a word for that now in today's society. They're going to cancel me. So some of us just live in fear and just, I'm just going to mind my own business. And then here's a big thing that we do, is we neglect our spiritual growth. We let distractions get in the way of growing spiritually. And sometimes you think, well, the devil's not going to do that. Like it's some big major thing that the devil's going to do that's going to prevent you from doing whatever. But it's something that can be very simple and very subtle. Like I'm going to get up this morning and I'm going to open the Bible and I'm going to do a devotional. But I'm going to make a cup of coffee first. And I'm going to go sit down on my porch first. And I'm going to look at that water fountain over there in the corner. And I'm going to notice that maybe I need to trim the hedge just a little bit and before I know it I gotta go to work and I didn't do my devotion because I was trimming the hedges how did that happen the subtle thought to go do something instead of focusing on God so I say all that and I'm ready to start my message y'all ready what are the ways we can keep from conforming to the word, to keep from conforming to the world? This is something that is, I, I thought of it, I'm going to patent this. This is an idea that's never been brought up before. You're going to hear it here first. You better write this down. And the first point is this, regularly study God's word. Bet you've never heard of that before. What? Are you saying read your Bible? Yup. Read your Bible. Immerse yourself in scriptures. Regularly read this and study the Bible to understand God's truth, to understand his character, and to understand his ways. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God. God breathed. God breathed the word into existence. This is God's word. And what is God's word? It's beneficial for teaching, for rebuking, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man and woman of God may be fully capable and equipped for every good work. Do you know what that one verse right there is telling us? There's nothing. There is nothing on the planet that we could possibly face that God doesn't say, I got an app for that. That's what it's telling us right there in 2 Timothy. So, man, if we want to be transformed instead of conforming, then let's open the word of God 
Psalm 1-2, delight in his law of the Lord and on his law. He meditates day and night. That to me doesn't sound like we do something once or twice a month. We do it day and night every day. Here's the second thing that's really awesome. It's going to blow your mind. You've probably never heard this before, but our second point is this. We pray and surrender. What? I know, it's just amazing. Now you're wishing that you were sitting up front, right? Because you can get this and receive this really quick. To pray and surrender. Stay connected with God through prayer, seeking his guidance, seeking his wisdom, seeking his strength. First Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18. Rejoice always and do what? Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I can go on and on. Philips 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything but everything by prayer. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Romans eight twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself will intercede for us with groanings too deep for prayer. Matthew 6, 6. When you go to pray, go to your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will will reward you. It goes on and on and on and on. And then Colossians 2, I'll go there. Colossians uh, chapter 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. I don't have enough time. We would be here till tomorrow if I could read all the scriptures that the Bible has for us on praying to God. It's how we communicate. It's how we're in relationship. Is we pray and then we surrender as well. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. But here's the thing. See, as we grow up, we forget who we are because we become influenced by society. Boom. And that influence, it includes our parents It includes our teachers, our friends, social media. But here's the thing. You have to remember that we are created for his purpose. And if he created us for his purpose, listen, he trusts us with that purpose that he designed us for. For some of us, man, we may do everything, everything by the book. We might study hard. We might work hard. We have a great family. We've got a great house, a great car, great career. We're financially stable. But for some reason, at the end of the day, we're miserable. Why is that? Here's why I think. Have you ever heard the expression, do what you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life? Perhaps the decisions that we make are not lining up with what God's purpose was for us by his design. We've done all this stuff, but it's just stuff that we want and not what he wants. So we pray, but then we surrender our will for his will. Verse 25, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, there he will find it. Jesus is speaking about metaphorically losing one's life. 
be interpreted as shedding your false identities and realizing that society imposes roles and expectations on us from the moment we're born that if we will surrender that to him and remember who we are in Christ then we become in touch with the one with who we were truly designed to be and that is a child of God so let's look at our passage again in Romans 12:2 do not be conformed to this world but be transformed be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may can prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Surrender, surrender your will to God daily, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you. Let him transform you to Christ's likeness. That's our choice right there. We can conform to this world or we can be transformed. What do you choose? Here's the next point I want to tell you is to surround yourself with a godly community, whether that's going to church, whether it's being a part of a small group, whether it's doing Bible studies, surround yourself with godly, godly people. Proverbs 13, 20 tells us, one who walks with wise people will be wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Or in my wife's grandmother, the way she would quote this verse is, you go to sleep with dogs, you're going to wake up with fleas. ourselves with godly community Hebrews 10 23 through 25 let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds not abandoning our own meeting together as is the habit of some but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near community community and then here's the last point is to serve and to share the gospel of Jesus Matthew 5.16 says, Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Shine your light in a way for God to get glorified. And my life scripture that I try to put in every message because this is what I hear over and over and over, the word go. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And don't ever forget the last part, behold. When you see the word behold in the Bible, pay attention, take a deep breath, because what follows it is very important. Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I have no idea what I could possibly say to a man on the beach who's all tatted up but when I remember that I don't have to do that because he is with me always to the end of the age. He's asking me to be a vessel and let him do the transforming. So remember the process of transforming your mind is a life, life, lifelong journey. It requires effort, and not just effort, but effort consistently. It requires dependence on God and a willingness to surrender your thoughts and your desires to Him. Through His Word and the work of the Holy Spirit, God will progressively shape your mind to be more like Christ and help you live a life that honors and glorifies Him. Amen? 
So read and study his word. Spend time daily in his, with prayer. Surrender your will to his will and surround yourself with godly believers. Be involved in the community with the body of Christ. And serve and share the gospel of Jesus. This is a daily commitment and a reliance on God's grace and God's strength. We're in a spiritual battle. Stand firm and resist conforming to the patterns of this world. Let him transform you. Amen. Let me pray. Father, we